Hello there. Dungeons and Dragon Balls. Today, I am joined by Captain Dadpool. Hello! I am the Sultan of Swoosh, the all-might of podcasting dads. The best part of waking up, and the merc with the kid, Captain Dadpool. Woo! Oh, man, that was amazing. That was amazing. I, I bow to you, sir. Ah. I'm too. I'm, I'm, too hum- I'm too humble for that. Just, just, uh, just go ahead and stand. <laughs> so today, um, we have an interesting topic. All, all the hot news is uh, this whole Substack thing. So, Captain, Bull, can you uh, tell us a little bit about Substack? Yeah, actually, uh, I rem- uh, hearing about this whole thing kind of, uh, kind of threw me off. I remember I was at work and you called me like, dude is how would you describe them exactly like because uh, i'll i'm i'm gonna tell you what they what their core beliefs are but like in like less than like 10 words how would you describe substack because you i like the way you put it earlier they focus on newsletters i mean i didn't even know newsletters were a thing anymore but yeah they're essentially a subscription service for newsletters yeah, and then uh, they're also journalism and uh, what is it for blogging for just for creative writing altogether. Um, yeah, and blogging really is just um, the e version of a newsletter anyway. So, and they really are uh, full. They're full digital. Yeah, from what it sounds like, just based on like what we're gonna be talking about. It, I, at first, I was kind of like, oh, you know, that might be the enemy to how things are. But I'm looking at it like they might be. This might be the future. And I might be on Team Substack, you know, after researching, I was like, this sounds kind of cool. Um, but real quick, Substack goes on record saying, we believe the writers, the bloggers, and now the comic book creators should be able to pursue their curiosity, generating income directly from their own audience in their own terms. Goes on to say, when readers pay writers directly, writers can focus on the work that they care most about. That's the main point of what we're going to be talking about. A few hundred subscribers can support a creator's livelihood. A few thousands can make them lucrative. One of the writers, uh, J.P. Brammer, went on saying, I'm finally writing the things I want to write about. And that pretty much encapsulates you know, what they believe. They're giving the person or the writer the creative ability to do what they want to do and make money doing it without the, having to ask permission. So in in comic book terms, for the general comic book audience, their image. Yes, essentially, yeah. Their their image comics, um, except for they're not paying by the book, by the page, um, and we'll get into that later. But their model is a little different. But other than that, their as far as creative freedom goes and uh, rights and ownership. Their image comics. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, 
I mean, even going on their page and like I typed in like comics, first person that popped up, and this is someone we're going to be talking about. Um, unless you want to talk about them now, but uh, first person that popped up, Scott Snyder. And he's already got his stuff out there. Um, by becoming a subscriber on there, like you could just like kind of access some of his stuff. Uh, one of them being like an online interactive writing class with him, which I thought was kind of cool. That's the big thing. He's actually going to be releasing how-tos on breaking into the comic book industry. Right. And like, and I know there's a bunch of stuff out there, but like how often do you get to sit in front of your computer screen and learn from the masters, you know, um, one of them being him, uh, famous, what is it? Dark Knight's metal. Is that it? So he did uh, Dark Dark Knight's Metal. He also did um, Death Metal. Death Metal, yep. uh, Which is the sequel to Dark Knight's Metal. And uh, he wrote Batman, uh, New 52 Batman. The whole New 52 run of Batman was him up until Tom King took over. Yeah. Um, which I think is after the new 52 had technically ended, quote unquote. <laughs> right, right, right. And um, he also wrote Justice League in between metal and death metal. Mm. And, you know, I'm a huge Batman fan. Uh, you know that. Um, I might have mentioned it last time I was on. Um, those comic books were. Very, very awesome. Uh, very entertaining. Spent a lot of money getting them. Um, so the so the fact that hobby. he's like, huh? It's not a cheap hobby. It's not a cheap hobby. Um, <laughs> I mean, for so for him to be like, nah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on me. I mean, this is this is some serious stuff. Um, yeah. Because that's what these creators are bringing for Substack. They're bringing the names. They're bringing the following and the recognition. Now, obviously, if you have Scott Snyder and Batman, you're not bringing all the Batman followers with you. But you are bringing all the Scott Snyder followers who became Scott Snyder followers from Batman. So you are getting some crossover. Now, the numbers may not be quite as big, but these are still phenomenal numbers we're talking about. And that's what's in it for Substack. They get all of those people coming in. Right, right, right. Um, well, diving into this, I was kind of like researching a little bit. Um, and I just, like I said, I went to Substack and I just, I researched like, hey, why even go into, why try to even break into the comic, comic world? Um, and it, it's funny because they already wrote an article saying why they're doing it as you know, cause this just came out, I think what Friday, Thursday. Uh, I think Thursday. Okay. Thursday. And now it's what Monday. And usually for a company to be able to take, they usually take their time. They want to make sure, you know, it's going to work first. No, they like publish like the next day an article saying, this is why we're doing it. Um, Hamish McKenzie, who's the co co-creator of Substack. Um, wrote a whole article saying pretty much why they're doing it. They want to support creator. Uh, they want to support the creators and grant them um, what they call the Substack 
Pro package. Um, if you want, I can tell you what that is. Do you know what, a little bit about it? About that? I don't want to step on your toes. I, I actually, I know quite a bit. I read uh, the whole... They actually, on Substack's website, they have a whole article on what the Pro package is and why they offer it and how it got started. So the Pro package sort of became procured by giving writers that they already had um probably through newsletters and things like that they gave them um advances on their pay basically like they gave them like two three month advances right in the sum of anywhere from ten thousand to thirty thousand dollars uh for up to three months and that went over so well, and they kept getting good returns on giving those advances. Like, people were bringing in, and it was shooting subscriptions way up. Oh, like, oh, this is worth it. So they developed this pro package. And essentially, the pro package is basically a year's worth salary. Now, Substack gets to keep all of the subscription payments for the first year. However, these cre comic creators have already been paid out for the next year in sums of probably astronomical numbers, probably way bigger than they'd ever see from the comic book industry itself. Mm -hmm. Because Substack ended up with this big infusion, probably because of the pandemic. It kind of blew up during the pandemic. Um, big infusion of cash, and they decided we're going to take this cash, and we're going to give it to these comic book creators, and we're going to break into the comic book um, world through them, doing it this way. We're going to offer them big lump sums for the first year. After the first year, all of the comic book creators then take 90% of all subscriptions and Substack sub then gets 10%. So that's the pro package. The pro package is that, that payout, they collect everything for the first year, and then it's a 90-10 uh, split pro the creator. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of what I, another thing, well, um, you mentioned well, you mentioned it over the phone, but you, you didn't mention it here. Um, they're also able to bring on a, their own design and editing team or services. Yes, they, they can develop it however they want. They can bring in their own team. There are some creators that are bringing in other comic book writers to create essentially a whole universe and create their own basically publishing line which we'll actually get into later once we bring up this creator but um that's that's huge that's a big step so they can bring in their own artists mind you now the way the comic book um world works the way the industry works is the reason you don't have scott snyder always working with someone like greg capullo is because they are so expensive. Greg Capullo is such high echelon that for like all of Snyder's indie stuff, he'd have to pay those same rates that the big two pay Capullo. You think about what is DC probably paying out Capullo? It's probably insane. Or someone like Jock. 
or someone like Alex Ross, who's been in the industry for years and years and years and years and years. We're talking right, right. plus years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I kind of laughed when I saw that on there because I'm like, instead of like the teacher assigning you someone you really don't want to work with, you get to like essentially go to work with your vet, with your friends and people you want on your team to create something that you actually want to create instead of something that you're being forced to create or, or something you don't even have to ask permission to do something you're just passionate about. And then uh, one last thing um, they offer them. And I thought this was kind of cool. They offer them a monthly stipend uh, to help out with health insurance costs. And I'm like, wow, that, and you get benefits. (laughs) It's like for real. This feeds into what I wanted to say. The next thing is uh, that's the thing. Like you can work with whoever you want and you have the cash flow and the, uh, the resources to work with whoever you want. So like the industry, it's all about who are, who you're working for, who are they willing to pay and how much are they willing to pay them and does it meet their rates? But when you have essentially unlimited cash and you can pick anybody you want and pay whatever rates you want, it really does kind of um, unfettered creativity and allow for them to work with anybody and everybody they could possibly want to work with. Right, right. And again, um, at first I was kind of like iffy on Substack, but I'm not gonna lie, this this approach, it sounds sounds amazing. Um, uh, I keep saying, um, sorry. Uh, Amish McKenzie went on to say, this approach is the Substack's model to build a future in which writers and creators can flourish. They go on to say, you don't need a million, um, you don't need millions of page views. You don't need a, to pay the, uh, play the rules determined to you by an OPEG, OPEG social media algorithm, and you don't have to submit to a corporate publisher, uh, publisher's conditions. Instead, you can set, you can set, uh, and stuff, oh my gosh, sorry. Instead, you can set, you can get the reward for getting great work that you believe in. So I don't know if you know this, a little bit of behind the scenes about the podcast, but we as a podcast can fully understand what it is they're talking about. Because I could tell you right now, it's all about the views, it's all about the clicks, it's all about the visits, the follows, it's all about um, how much saturation and how far you can permeate um, your brand out there. And they're always looking for specific content rules and the way things need to work and things like that in order for monetization to fit or to work within these tight little confines. So I absolutely understand what it is they're talking about here as far as you don't have to worry about any of that. Because they have this cash flow. They're giving the money out. It has nothing to do with what you're bringing in. Because what they're doing is, I mean, Substack's putting it all out on the line here. They are saying, okay, comic book creators, you're the biggest names in comics. We trust you. Here, big sum of money, 
benefits, all the good stuff that the industry probably barely even provides you, and what you are absolutely due and worth. Therefore, come come give us some content and, uh, you know, work at your own pace, do it how you want to do it, but this is a way for you to directly connect with your fans. That's a big thing. They are a newsletter business. You can post things like blogs, newsletter posts, things like that, and communicate with your fans, and people can comment on it. If you're a subscriber, you can most definitely comment on it. So this is a, a huge opportunity. Yes, yes. And it's, um, and I, I can see it being scary in mm-hmm. one in one spectrum because I can see where you're like, there is, because for so long, the dream is, you know, I want to be a comic book writer or an artist. I want to work for DC. I want to work for Marvel. I want to do a Batman run. I want to do a Spider-Man run. Like that's, those are the, the tops of the mountain, right? Absolutely. And then to be like told, like to get there and then to be told like, well, you're not going to be working with this team. You're going to be working this one. Why? Well, you know, without them actually saying it, because it's cheaper. Um, Because it's cheaper or because it was what their plan was. They already made uh, previous promises and previous deals that they never told you about. You know, oh, we already promised this artist or that artist work on this or that book. Therefore, now you're stuck working with someone you don't know and you have no idea how you're going to mesh with. Right, right. It's like uh, getting the ruby slippers. You get to the Emerald City and find out that it's not exactly what you thought. Nope, there's a man behind that curtain, buddy. There's a man behind the curtain, and he is doing things, or she, you know. Whatever. There there is a person behind that curtain. There is a person controlling your future, and what Substack is saying is like, no, man, or her. Uh, click your heroes three times. We're going to take you to a place that is more comfortable, where you can connect with people who like your stuff. Um, and you could create things that you want to create, which I think, again, because you mentioned, you know, being on this podcast, you know, not being restricted, being able to do what you want. There's some like we we want to celebrate in freedom and to finally have that in the comic book world. It's something to be celebrated. Something also to be feared, because there's always, with every progression, there's always, you know, a little bit of um, restraint. But um, from what it looks like, there's, you know, it looks like it's more positive than negative right now. Um, Which is great for these um, writers. Um, I'm very curious on what they're going to do. I'm a little bit selfish because I like some of their stuff and what they're writing. And there's a possibility that some of them won't be doing those stories or writing for those characters anymore. A little disappointed about that, but I can so get speaking away of the writers. Who do we have? Um, so you, we mentioned Scott Snyder, right? Um, big fan. Um, I know the first person they, they approached with this was Nick Spencer. And I think he was writing amazing spider. Yeah. He was writing amazing Spider-Man at the time when still he still is, he still, still is. is. He has, he has said, Wait, was it? 
Yeah, I think it was I think it was Spencer who went on record saying he is not leaving Spider-Man. See, and that's surprising to me for this reason. If I'm if I'm Marvel or DC and I'm hearing that another company is coming in saying like pretty pretty much promising them the world, right? Am I gonna like be paying them? Am I gonna keep them on? Probably not, because that's how industries work. They're bitter. So for him to still be on, I'm thinking that he has a contract that can't be broken and he has to finish. Or he's just sitting pretty and he's gonna just let that ride out and then they're probably gonna give him the boot. I don't know. It's it's hard to say if the two, the big two, we're just gonna say the big two. I don't know how other industries are dealing with this, but the big two, um, you know, some of them, some of the, some of the writers they were bitter with. Some of them are still up in the air. I know he's one of them. So that's actually not entirely true because a lot of these writers already have contracts in place saying they can go and write their indie stuff with Image. They can go and do their creator own stuff because they're all like, that's like drops in the bucket. That's like pennies compared to what us big tube drag in from having these big name writers on these big name books. So they don't really care. And they're all like, oh, you could do that over here on the side. My guess is they are just moving all of those creator own stuff that they have like i know nick spencer is doing one i mean uh sorry not nick spencer uh, scott snyder is doing one uh with comiXology and um hickman has always done image he's another writer we'll get to him he's also coming over to substack um and so they have and and there are other creators who have things at image while they're going on at the big two and that's in their contract that they're allowed to do that because they the, the big two aren't really scared of that and don't consider it competition because it's kind of this new ip new thing that's like uncertain and also it's just the creator trying to sell their name not necessarily trying to sell something that connects directly to one of the big two. So it's in their contract that they're allowed to go do their indie stuff. I'm guessing Substack is just basically the new place for indie. Um, if anything, I'm a little scared for Image and what's gonna happen to them. However, Substack is not doing physical publications. So that means at any time you're doing these digital publications on Substack, you could take it and say, I want to make physical copies. You could go over to Image, get a deal with them and say, hey, can we release this physically? Can you guys push this out? And if Image says, yeah, sure, they have every right to do that. And Substack ain't going to care. It does not affect their business model at all. Because their business model is about the digital. And they're not looking to break into comic publishing. They're looking to just be a platform. Hmm. Well, it doesn't sound like there's a, a negative there. Again, this is sounding too good to be true. And every time we get to a possible problem, it's like, nope, not a problem. And it's like, okay, okay. 
I am theorizing and putting it out there that if this takes off, if we take, if this goes down the main time stream, the sacred timeline, and this takes off. it past the first year. <laughs> let's really yeah, let's, just say that. Let's, let's just be let's, real. If they make it past say, this first year where the creators will actually start collecting 90% of those subs. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, if during during the sacred timeline, uh, two <laughs> years down the future, if this takes off and the the time uh, the TMA does not get involved and this works, I'm 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 saying the big two are gonna step in and start like start firing people. I'm just saying it. That's what I'm theorizing. Now, if this does not take off and this blows up, like someone bought a huge lifetime supply at Acme Dynamite and this thing just blows up in everyone's face, then I can see their, you know, d- you know, the big two being like, oh, you know, that sucked. Well, we have the oh, story. No, there, there's some, there's some, he, I, I apologize for interrupting, but there is some precedent for this being a thing this has happened in the industry before image comics kind of did the same thing only without the huge surplus of of money um that was all just based on uh, all the money they had to give to their creators was just based on speculators market and pre-orders and things like that um however not the way all this has gone down with substack but with Image, like, Lightfield went on to work for Marvel again. Um, you know... Well, that, that, was, Jim that was my... Jim Lee is practically running DC now. After leaving DC for Image and basically saying, nah, forget you, DC's welcomed him back with, with open arms. Image never failed. Image is probably big probably bigger than dark horse right now i mean they're probably the third in the running i, I get that, so I get that. what what i'm saying though about this is yeah you say oh that we this this happened before but like who actually remembers that that's what i'm saying like it didn't it it attempted to work but it didn't so I think, like, I think people who read heavily in the 90s i think people who were college age peak comic book readers in the 90s and could actually understand and wrap their head around what image was and what image was doing um because i'd say maybe peak is maybe like high schoolers or or junior hires but the thing is is they may not be able to wrap their head around the business um acumen of what's going on here uh but i would say the 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 peak college readers of the 90s they remember they were there, and that was a, a big, tumultuous time for the comic book industry. Everybody's like, what does this mean? All these big creators just up and left the big two to form their own publishing company, and it was insane. No one knew what to think. Um, you know, you had McFarlane. I mean, Spawn... Is yep. to this day still huge. But other than him, what else you got? 
That's what that, I'm, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just I'm I mean, putting Jim up there. Lee never, Jim Lee's name, Jim Lee's name never got soured. True. He now True. practically running DC solely yeah. yes. and, uh, you know, frankly, not doing terrible at it, not doing great, but not doing terrible at it. And um, it, everybody loves Jim Lee. So he he managed to thrive through image and and through that uh mcfarlane is obviously still huge and of course mcfarlane may might be huge because he branched out but he really branched out based on his image properties and based on the fact that he owned the rights to all of that true true but you said a bunch of artists you said a bunch of creators left right for every mm -hmm. You said Jim Lee was the biggest one, though, right? Uh, I don't know. I think maybe McFarlane might have been the biggest one. There was also Lifefield. Uh, no, no, no. I'm talking about like, right now. Like, I'm talking about like right now. Like after after that whole thing happened, the biggest name that come came out of that was Jim Lee, correct? Uh, yeah, I'd say the biggest was Jim Lee. Although I don't know, McFarlane's pretty big. Well, Jim Lee's running DC, so I'm gonna say Jim Lee is probably like. Definitely be McFarlane. McFarlane uh, has his own toy line and is almost a household name. I would say McFarlane Toys is um, not hurting. <laughs> Even now, uh, they're they're not hurting. I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, point being is that for every McFarlane, for every Jim Lee, you know, you have those success stories. You have five other people, though, who are like, who? Who are yeah. they? Like, oh, yeah, remember we left for no, who? Yeah, so, and, and that's true. And that is true. But that's the big difference is, is these are the big names. And these aren't just the big names. These are the big names that were up and coming. Like, they hadn't necessarily done the biggest and the great they were not at the peak of their careers some of these people like i would have to say a lot of them had had probably not hit the peak of their careers a few of them maybe were were past their peak but i would say a lot of them were still building to that peak to that big crescendo of of what everybody is going to remember as their uh, timeless work and their uh, magnum opus. I hear you. Um, I hear you. And I don't. I hear you. I don't think a lot of the creators had hit that point yet. I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is this: is that um, we're saying the big two. We're not saying the big three, because let's be honest, image is great, not DC, and it's not Marvel. Okay. That being hold on, hold on, hold on. That being said, some of these writers were not all able to come back and get their jobs when they left. If history repeats itself, slightly different, and this does take off, and this is successful, and these and these people are making crap loads of money, do you think that they're still going to be able to write for DC and Marvel? I think not. I think, I think so. I think they're going to get rid of them because they're like, no, you're all competition now. I don't know, because here's the thing. 
they might actually what might happen because uh, we already talked about the whole physical issue the fact that this is solely digital distribution if you want to do physical for the collector's market which is actually kind of pretty big in the comic book world um if you want to cater to the collector's market you need someone to publish your books one of the big two possibly both of the big two or, you know, Image, if they're smart, could capitalize on that. They could. could. Say, oh, we're going to sign certain deals that allows you to take those creations and publish them through us. You know, Marvel's done this before. Marvel literally created an indie imprint underneath Marvel specifically for Brian Michael Bendis. This is before Bendis was even that big of a name. Where do you think Powers came from? Powers was made by Bendis under Marvel's indie imprint that was created specifically for he could do something like Powers. Hmm. Okay. So they are known for doing these kind of things. Now, it's rare, but I'd say with the biggest names in the industry names that aren't going to stop like a lot of these people aren't leaving some of them are but a lot of them aren't leaving their jobs at one of the big two if they work at the big two um some of them didn't however some of them aren't leaving the big two therefore they're still going to be getting bigger and bigger and creating more of a name and a reputation through the big two that will then um, open the floodgates for other things. I however, hope right. However, like, I think, like, it'll always feed back into itself. And I don't think the big two are really even batting an eye at this. Unless... These creators do decide because they're all like, oh, I'm actually doing better at Substack. I don't need you, Big Two, anymore. And they decide to totally leave the Big Two. For example, we have one creator who has already basically done that. Yes, and I like him. He's a really, really good writer. Um, but go finish your thought first. And about- then, uh, are, are you done? I, I wasn't. Trying to step on you. Oh no, no, I'm I'm good. I was trying to give you a platform. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. I just I it was too clever for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, let's just roll into it. James uh Tyon. I always get his name Tynan. Tynan. Okay. James Tynan. Tynan the fourth. Okay. Now he recently just won an award uh, for DC's um two thousand one um Department of Truth. Just won an award to this year. Um, in 2020, he was nominated for um, something he did with Boom Studios called "Something That Is Ki- Something Is Killing the Children." Okay, he got nominated for that uh, for an award. Um, but he just won this award, and then when they approached him, them being Substack, uh, he told the New York New York Times, DC 
had presented me with a three-year renewal of an ex- of my exclusive contract. Who was he writing? Batman. He was primarily working on Batman. Which, there you go. Like I said, just won an award. So like Not we said before. That, but this is the, this is, Batman is the biggest seller anywhere. I don't glad care you said that. what you say. So Batman, I, I may not be the big fan, but Batman I, is the biggest seller. Spider-Man, close second, but not quite at the level of Batman. Batman so, is absolutely the most lucrative comic on the market. Yes. So he is at the top of the mountain. He is looking down at us from on high. He is up there. That being said, he's up there and he says, I am grateful, but I couldn't help but look at the success of my original work and my own creator own titles. And like I said, just an example, something is killing the children is one of those examples. Um, He turned down DC and went on to say, um, I'm directing the, uh, my brain to building a bunch of really cool stuff. And on my own terms, without the permission from any public from any publisher so what that says to me is a this dude would rather bet on himself than be told what he can and cannot do this is why in my opinion again i think if this works if this if this model works i think there's going to be some hurt feelings i think I think there's going to be some bridges burnt because already one of the best is leaving. And he's not everybody's doing that. But what if, okay, my point is what if he creates something during this whole business model that rivals another character that he was formerly writing for, where people stop reading that character to read his stuff? It's possible. That's, that's, that's the scary thing about it though. You have all these people and this is when I say scary, I mean for like DC and Marvel, because you're saying you're looking at it like they're too big of a giant to care that someone's hacking at their feet. You you slice that Achilles tendon, though, that person's going down. So I mean, maybe I mean, maybe I just I just, I just don't know that uh, Marvel and DC are touchable or rather, I don't know that they think they're touchable because really really what the semantics we're arguing here is whether they think they are touchable or not because they're not going to do anything unless they think they're touchable so it's not about what what is actually happening it's about the optics and and personally their their own arrogance and their own belief um and i think that the the big two don't have the foresight to see it even if it is going to happen and i'm not entirely confident that it would happen but i do think it would be a big contender and i think if anybody should be scared it might be someone like image who really is the home for indie comics but they're not providing the kind of payout that substack can offer um now this is the biggest creative names in comics well, what happens when you bring in some smaller names? Which is ultimately what Substack is looking for. They're out there and they're all like, hey, we want to get the biggest names because then you guys can trickle down and you guys can bring in 
new fresh blood who is uh, up and coming. You can bring in um, other creators who are not as big as you, but are still pretty big. Um, and you guys can bring in more and more comic creators, artists, um, writers, you know, letters, what, whatever they may need, colorists, and build out this portfolio of creators on our platform. And that's ultimately how Substack plans on doing this. That is their, um, th that's sort of their approach. Their approach is go after the big dogs and they will draw in everyone underneath them. Mm. And it will um, effectively pyramid out. And uh, that that's sort of Substack's hope for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like going to Substack doesn't mean you have to leave anyone else. So say Kynan goes, all right, I'm going to Substack. Even if he does create something huge, even if he creates the next Batman, you know, I How mean, look at... Well, I mean... Look at what happened with Spawn. Look at what happened when Image came in and um, they decided they're going to make Spawn. And, and Todd McFarlane's like, this is huge. This is almost as big as Batman. And in the 90s, it actually was rivaling Batman. And it was hurting Batman. And that was a big deal. So, like, even if he does do something like that, if if not every if if everyone else is still keeping their relationship with the big two, I don't know that the big two are going to be all like, "Oh, we had one person who got sour on us, left, and created the next big thing." But that was one person. None of these other people are doing that. We're managing to keep them in for one reason or another. So. I hear you, but it only takes one thing. I would think, I would hey, hold think on. it would have to be more creators who decide to leave. If, if, if Tynan sets a precedent for a trend, that would be different. If, every, if Hickman decides, I'm not doing X-Men anymore. If Spencer decides I'm not doing Spider-Man anymore, if Snyder decides I'm just leaving DC altogether and I'm going to stop doing the little cool things I'm doing at DC here and there, that is going to change how they look at Substack. Because now you're drawing creative power away from the big two. But I think one creator is not yet a trend and does not yet show any sort of teeth. Right, but it just takes the next Stan Lee an opportunity to create the next one. That's all I'm it's saying. True. That's why this is another it's prediction. True. Give you, like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm giving you another prediction. If this does take off and this has the potential of rivaling, I bet you, I bet you my bottom dollar if I had one. 
that Marvel will buy them to completely just snuff it out and to just make make bank on the next generation of writers. Why Marvel? Because Marvel's got that Mickey Bucks and Mickey Bucks, Mickey Bucks got Love Mickey it. Bucks. Yeah, you can't can't uh, trump yeah. Mickey. So you talked about the next Stanley, and and. And some of these creators are actually doing that. Substack went out and said, all right, we want you to bring in more. You know, we want you to bring in people underneath you, other creators. We want you to bring in stuff like that. So some of the writers, Hickman, Hickman's going to Substack. And he has decided he is going to do a project called Three Earths, Three Moons. And, or, I'm sorry, three worlds, three moons. And this is going okay. to be a universe. He's actually calling it a concept universe. And this concept universe is similar to, like, how a concept album is, where you get a bunch of creators all kind of jiving off of each other and jamming off of each other and, and sort of collaboratively building something. So that's sort of what he's trying to get with this Three Worlds, Three Moons thing. He wants to create a new universe. He's bringing in some of the biggest names with him. He's already brought in Ram V, who is a really big indie horror comic name. And he's also bringing Al Ewing. Al Ewing did an amazing two stints on Ultimates over at Marvel. He's currently writing S.H.I.E.L.D. at Marvel. And that is, I mean, I'm sorry, not S.H.I.E.L.D., um, S.W.O.R.D., excuse me. And that is an amazing book. And Al Ewing is, is big and up and coming and absolutely a protege of, of Hickman. And so he's already brought both of these creators and to help him kind of develop out this three worlds, three moons world that he's building. And so he is essentially creating his own studio, his own, like they want them to use the studio model. So that's what Hickman's doing. He's creating his own studio. He's creating his own uh, no, comic book universe. Um, and so he very well could be the next Stan Lee, where he gets all these ideas and has all the biggest creative minds. And the way they're they're jamming on it is he wants the writing to feed into the art to feed into the writing. So they're using a variation on the Marvel method where it's not super dry and businessy and oh i do this and then i send it to you and you do that and you send it back to me and i do this no they're in a room together just jamming this out and tossing ideas around doing sketches doing you know uh concept writing right making the scripts all together in a room 
coming up with all these different concepts and filling it all out, which is a much more organic and less cold way of doing things. And that does lead to sort of what Stan Lee did with the early Marvel Universe and what uh, him and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko sort of were were coming together to make um and it's it's very reminiscent of that so it very well could be something like hickman could become a rival for it but hickman has not said a peep about what's happening with him in x-men and right now he's kind of running x-men in a similar capacity that he will be uh three worlds three moons where he is sort of overseeing it, but there's a bunch of writers writing all the books underneath. So he's almost operating as an executive editor of the X House right now. Um, and he only comes in and writes some things here and there. So I think, I think it's very possible that that could happen. But with those people still having a presence at one of the big two until they decide nah you're not worth it to me anymore that's when it's going to cause issues and that hasn't happened yet i'm not saying it won't and i'm not saying tynan hasn't set a precedent i'm just saying there hasn't been a big inciting incident at this point to make everything fall apart Okay. I, I I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying human nature dictates people are going to get bitter. Uh, I hope you're right and that there is peace and harmony and everyone, the only people who benefit from this are the readers, but history would disagree in that this is going to blow up. This is going to blow up into a war, which I still, as much as it pains me to say it, because I love DC, um, I think Marvel's going to come on top because that's just how the last 10 years have been. Marvel just true. keeps coming out on this top. This is true. So this could be, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Substack is secretly owned by Mickey already. <laughs> well, I think I think the big thing here to look at is even if there does become bad blood, it may only be, it may not be with all the creators. It may only be with the few who do decide to completely cut ties and go, poppycock to you, big two. And I'm not even sure that that's going to happen. I mean, we've only had Tynan. And I think, I think it is possible that Tynan might end up blacklisted at this point. It, that very well could happen. But that's one creator who I would say out of this list of creators is probably honestly one of the lowest ones. Like when you're when you're in the upper echelon of people like Scott Snyder and people like Jonathan Hickman, I just I just don't know that a James Tynan can really hold a candle. His Batman run did peanuts compared to um snyder's run and things like that like i just don't know that they 
that 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 name is as big as some of these other names. And these other names, as far as we know, aren't really going anywhere. Um, and, you know, I keep talking about Hickman and Snyder, but really, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, Nick Spencer, who had been writing off and on for Marvel since very early Bendis days. Like, he's been with Marvel the mm-hmm. longest out of all of these creators have been with either of the big two. So right. Nick Spencer is probably one of the biggest deals. Now, Nick Spencer has had some blemishes. Um, a lot of people didn't like what he did with Captain America um, and things like that. But he also had some really high points. Uh, his X-Force was phenomenal. Um, he's he's had some really good stuff happening out there. So... Um, his Secret Avengers was also very good. So I feel like mm-hmm. the some and and he's one who said I'm not going anywhere. You no, know? so some some of these really big names are the ones who haven't pulled away. Some of the kind of smaller end names who have pulled back and said, "No, nah, you're not really worth it to me." Um, so that's actually, that's pretty interesting to me. Uh, I, I, it is kind of a wait and see thing. I know you keep saying yes, but all it takes is, is one move to sour the whole thing. And that's very true. I'm just wondering, um, I hate to be the person who just sits there waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'd rather be able to be optimistic and be all like, Hey, what could all this mean? And I don't think Substack's going to be the thing. But I do think it might be interesting to see what happens to someone like Image and what their place in the industry becomes. Yeah. Um, I know you keep bringing up Image. Uh, Dark Horse was mentioned like one well, time. I really don't. I really don't think this is going to affect them all that much. Um, I well, really I don't. I feel like it's pulling creators um, away. Like, Hickman's biggest place that he published outside of Marvel was absolutely Image. And he had a comic just ended Image. And he's pretty much wrapped up all his Image stuff. But that means they're with Three Worlds, Three Moons coming there probably won't be another image book he creates. Therefore, that's already a book that image could have had that they're now losing out on. And a big Hmm. name following behind that book. It's all because Substack stole that away because they have higher incentives for indie creators. That's why I feel like it hurts Image. Dark Horse does a lot more franchised work and things like that. Um, they do like the owned stuff. Like they were, they were the big ones doing the Buffy comics, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer comics. They were the big ones before Marvel got a hold of it doing um, Aliens and Predators comics. Um. 
And so that was really Dark Horse's bread and butter, a lot of that kind of stuff. Image does more just straight indie books, just creator-owned, new IP stuff, except for some of the Image Founder stuff that uh, is is still a thing. Like Spawn is still a thing every now and then. <laughs> every once in a while, Spawn has a resurgence. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I am super excited about uh, right before the pandemic, they were mentioning there's going to be a Spawn movie. And I don't know, Spawn's okay. But what really got me excited about the, about the idea of another Spawn movie is they're like, hey, we're going to get Jamie Foxx to play Spawn. And I'm like, oh, awesome, because Jamie Foxx is amazing. So just putting that out there, not to change the subject all too I much. I feel like but pretty on Jamie Foxx is Spawn. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'm just switching it slightly over just because I'm just <laughs> excited about that coming Absolutely. out. So, um, one thing you did mention is business side. You know, um, do you think, in your opinion, that this news coming out right before all this Delta variant news has been hitting, where everyone's predicting around the f- late fall, early um, winter, or late winter, somewhere around there, things are going to get bad again, like they were last March. Or not this March, but last March when the pandemic hit. Do you think that that is a coincidence? Or am I just am I just seeing a conspiracy? I don't know here? that it's conspiracy, but I think the first pandemic is really the reason all of this happened. I think the first wave of the pandemic the original COVID-19 wave of the pandemic is the reason we got that. The reason Substack had a sudden influx of cash flow. They even said they became really popular and brought newsletters back during the pandemic because they opened their company that opened in 2017. By 2017, I thought newsletters were dead. Well, turns out the pandemic shot their subscriber rates way up. That's probably where they're getting a lot of this influx of cash from. So uh, they do really well in these pandemic situations. And everyone got scared. Uh, Hickman's big thing for coming to Substack was he came up with this plan to keep the X-Men line in rotation during the pandemic, if Diamond were to shut down. And so he goes, I, I had this whole digital uh, distribution plan laid out for Marvel. Thing is, is Diamond ended up sh- only shutting down for about two weeks. And it only really messed up distribution for about two months. And it really didn't mess it up that much. Um, so it just never came to fruition. Well, now Substack has giving, given him the platform to do that. I think it just happens to show how timely all of these things are and these decisions have been. Um, and, and this launches with the Delta variant now out there. I think it's going to be uh, very beneficial for uh, comic books as a whole to have this as an avenue of distribution if we do end up 
locked down again. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like when this, when pandemic first happened, you had um, actually in 2019, we were making uh, the comic book industry was making a crap load of money. Um, probably some of the highest from what, from what I would say at the very early, but the very like, beginning of the pandemic, they probably did very well before. Like when people got locked down before they could totally go anywhere. From 19 to early uh, 20, sales were really good. But then you had the shutdown where people were not making it, like not being able to do anything, not being able to go anywhere, which meant if you owned a comic book stop, uh, stop, sorry, (laughs) shop, uh, you couldn't sell nothing. And so they're looking at these numbers like, yes, people are still getting comic books digitally and the, the sales are are not great, but they're not bad. But the people who are missing out on this are the people who are supposed to be selling comic books stores. So, again, I ask, do you think with these not with the numbers being out there and they're out there on Forbes? Uh, that's how I found them or whatever. Um, some stores had to get shut down. Because even though the number, like like if you were owned a different business, you look at these numbers, you're looking at what you lost, you're like, ah, oh, it's not that terrible. But comic book stores were one that took the heaviest hits because you had to have people come out and buy the physical copies. And you didn't have, like, I know a lot of people used, um, what is it, uh, Instacart to buy groceries. So that's how grocery stores made theirs. You could have somebody order groceries and bring them to you. They didn't have anything that for like that for comic books. They don't so you would get yours now. through digital. Yeah. Well, you would get them digitally. So again, I ask you ever after having said all that, do you think that this is timely that they're doing this because that news? Oh, has been absolutely. Put out there? It's timely. Um, I don't, I, a lot went into this and these conversations have been going on, I think longer than we know. And I know a lot of this did kind of happen quick, as you were saying. Um, It got announced, and then they started putting stuff out right away. However, Nick Spencer has been in talks since the pandemic really started. And so some some of these creators have been out there and trying to make this happen um, for a little while now, I think. And I think um, it just kind of worked out to their benefit. I don't know that it was entirely planned, but I do think they they read the the tea leaves a little bit. And I think they knew this was a strong possibility. They knew a variant was a strong possibility. And they knew, even if it wasn't, if this ever happened again, this would be a huge game changer because now there is a digital distribution method that is tried and true and can earn creators direct revenue. Right, right. I mean, again, when I was going over all this, even like Comic Hub POS, it's a system that helps track, you know, who's selling comic books, where they're being sold at, you know, all that. They said once that pandemic hit, those numbers tanked, right? and for some people, that was their bread and butter. Again, I think this is the future. I've said it before. I think this is the future. I think we're coming to the age where 
maybe and i pain pains me to say because i love going to my comic book store but like maybe it's not as lucrative or you know maybe combine that with a coffee shop from now on because like i don't think i don't think it's going to be you know with everything being digital i don't think it's be very lucrative i actually 100 percent agree with you i think that is very true I think the the only thing that would probably keep this alive are your collectors out there who um, are all about the physical media and uh, find the value in the physical media. But I also wonder, is is collecting a dying market? Which I kind of feel like it very well might be in, in the digital age in general. I feel like the digital age may already be on its way to killing the collector's market. Um, so I, would, I, I guess would, these I would are kind of struggling with the exact same thing right now. I, um, I don't know about that. See, going back to what you said, you said about collectors being a dying breed. or uh, I, I don't think that's true. Because everything is so digital and things are less hands-on, I have it in my hands... I'm not looking at a screen to get it. I think there's a huge um, nostalgia need where people are like, man, I really want a Game Boy. Like, why do you need a Game Boy when you can get a Switch? I'm like, no, dude, it's just something about holding a Game Boy, something about holding a comic book. So so Um, then what does that say for your argument that this is the future? I think this is going to be a future where most most run-of-the-mill comic books are going to be digital they're going to release special variant covers for collectors that you can buy online just like how they do everything now so so it it basically be all done all distribution would be done through like amazon ordering you know what i'm gonna say another prediction i bet you amazon's gonna somehow get in on this so comatology technically is the only uh, com- digital comic book distribution s- resource out there right now. However, I'm saying, I'm saying if this is takes owned off by Amazon, hold on, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I'm saying that if this takes off, like we're like we're saying, hopefully it does. Don't think that they're going to be the only name in the game. Oh, for that, very long. that's definitely true. Think. That's definitely true. Um, I think you're going to see a bunch of other. So my point I was trying to make is that they could easily swing comiXology into a physical distribution method as well. And it could be very well what you're talking about, variants and only for, uh, you know, niche physical collectors um, and things like that. And it could all be shipped through Amazon because Comixology is already ran by Amazon. I did not know it was through Amazon. Is, that um, makes sense, though. I have a subscription to Comixology, and my subscription is actually through my Amazon account. I manage it and run it through my Amazon account. Well, that's interesting. So just out of curiosity, what is... Your mother's maiden name and the first name of your first. Yep. Pet. No. No. We're not. We're not doing that today. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> I try though. 
Right? Like, why the hell do I have all these Batman <laughs> comic books going to Steven's house? Uh, anywho. Um, I think I'm looking at my notes. I, that's that's all I got on the topic right now. Um, is there anything you want to conclude with or say? Um, I don't know. Any predictions? I I think that this could be a new era for the industry. Um, actually, probably is at right. least for digital distribution ideas and concepts. Um, I think it's I think it's a new era for the industry just based on that. Now, whether Substack is going to truly be competitor or not, only time will tell. But I think um, digital subscription models are going to have to change. And digital distribution is going to have to be a thing if the industry is going to survive, A, another round of lockdown, and B, just the digital age future in general. And I know this has been an argument. Yeah. And this has been an argument for a long time, probably late 90s, early 2000s, when the internet really started becoming a thing. Um, now, digital ordering and things like that didn't really become big until probably the late 2000s, early 2010s. But... I feel that this has been a conversation that's been going on for most of my life that I can remember. And I feel like this might be the turning point because Substack might be pushing things and pushing the envelope to, to really span things out and really force people into the digital age more than they'd like to be and push them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, we probably should go on record saying that this is not a promotional podcast for Substack. Oh, that's that's fair. <laughs> we probably should say that. <laughs> we should, we do. I know we're we're singing their high praises and all that, but we probably should say that, or you should, because this is your podcast. But like, this is not oh, a promotion. No, this is just a very um, interesting topic. But, yeah, but would you agree? You know, if you are a fan. Um, you definitely should support, you know, your your favorite um, writers best way you can, whether that's buying comic books online, going to the local comic book store, or following them on sub on I am, Substack. I am Would a you... huge fan of of supporting the creators you like in whatever industry it might be. So I would say definitely do that. I would say support them however you can, whether it's through buying comics from one of the big two that provides them a paycheck, whether it's subscribing to them on Substack, or whether it's just purchasing their indie comics, which they probably see more of that money um, than anything else. Um, then I, I absolutely support doing that. Um, I would say support your creators as much as you can. And, you know, it's, it's going to be really rough going for local comic shops. And I'd say if you like the idea of physical media and you like local comic shops, now's also the time to push for supporting them. And I know if we 
you go through another round of lockdown, that's going to be hard to do. And that's really going to be a hit for your local shops. Um, but that's why now's the time. Get out there, support your local shop if you want that physical media, because if you don't, it may not be there by the time next spring comes around. That That's true. Um, very, very true. Uh, is there uh, anything else? Anything else we can? Uh... I don't think so. I think that's going to be it. I think we are going to wrap it up. So thank you very much for joining me, Captain Dadpool. Of course, always a pleasure to come. Uh, being actually just even be invited to uh, talk about all these things with you. Always Absolutely. a pleasure. I love having you on. Um, Oh, he'll definitely be back. That's for sure. Um, all right. And we will see you next time. And we will see you next time.